it, last two weeks I've given you a message out of Acts 20.32. Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are saved. That is what I was... The two things that the word of His grace, a revelation of grace. Number one, build you up means heal you, restore you, bring you into wholeness, deliver you. That's one thing the revelation of grace will do for you. That's something we all need. That's something that God wants to release to people. Number two is give you your inheritance that God has a desire for every person in this room to walk in and have everything that's in his heart for us to have. Everything. That's an amazing thought. You know, if you had glorious riches and you wanted your children to have it all, God, that's how God feels. He wants to hold nothing back from us. And that revelation of grace will bring you into the place where you can safely receive all of that from the Lord. It gives you, it empowers you to do that. And what I'm trying to do is really share with you, you know, really the DNA of our church, really. It's really about what God has given to us, imparted to us from heaven and so, what I'm not trying to give you a teaching on what grace is. I'm just trying to get your appetite whetted that you will go after that revelation in your own life and pursue God because just seeing the benefits of, of a revelation of grace, what it can do for you. So those are two things. And, the third, and today I want to talk to you about a third thing. It is Hebrews 13.9. Everybody good this morning? Oh, thank you, Lord. Hebrews 13, verse 9, Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, for with food, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So, you know, we're not really that interested in foods except when it's time to eat, but, you know, we're not occupied with food. That was, what they were talking about was legalism, is what they were talking about, Jewish laws of legalism, the Old Testament laws of well, you can eat this, you can't eat that, all this other, other stuff. And the writer of Hebrews saying, just don't even be occupied with him, but that our hearts would be established by grace. You see, that's really what God wants to establish our hearts in. And, and there's a benefit to your heart being established by grace. And the benefit is, is that God will allow you and enable you to live out of your heart. And to do the things that He's put in your heart, the things that are in your heart. Now, that's a powerful, powerful benefit now, because there are not many people who actually do that. But about nine years ago, I was in church, and I had this, the Lord just clearly spoke to me one morning, clearly. And I was just looking around the church. We were just praising the Lord and having a good time. And the Lord asked me this question. He said, Byron, is this what is in your heart? And he was talking about what was going on in here at the time. And I said, well, Lord, to tell you the truth, no. That's what I said to him. It's not what's in my heart. And he said, why don't you find out what's in your heart and do it. That's what he said to me. Now, that's a very significant statement. When you hear God say that to you, I found out after nine years of trying to really understand that, that's a very powerful statement that God was saying to me. I didn't understand it then because actually my response to God at the time was, well, Lord, I am just so far away from that kind of Christianity. I'm so far away from my heart. I feel like, Lord, why don't you just drop something into my heart? I'll find it. We'll do it. And everything will be cool. That really was my answer to him. But that really wasn't really what God was really trying to get at in me. Um, 
He was trying to get at something much greater in me. It's because God, every one of us, now this is what I call the dangerous gospel. Okay, this is dangerous for me to be telling you this this morning. Uh, but it's the truth. This is the true gospel. Is God has put stuff in all of us. Okay? And He wants to bring us to the point where He says, just go do what's in your heart. Just go do what's in your heart. Now, in order for you to get to that place with the Lord where He says to you, go do what's in your heart, you gotta, your heart has to be established in grace. There has to be a revelation of grace working in your heart where God can say, yes, you don't need me to give you a bunch of information. You don't need any instructions. You don't need... That's pretty dangerous, right? Pretty dangerous to say all that. It's like God is handing you the keys to the car and says, here's the keys. Take it and go with it. It's like He's handing you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and saying, here's the keys. Go with it. A lot of us really are not really walking in that. Let me give you an, a great example of that. It was actually in is the, the, the Apostle Paul. Okay, if you remember, the Apostle Paul got saved, had a very powerful conversion experience. And the Bible says he immediately went to preaching the gospel. And Paul was, was causing a lot of trouble, a whole lot of trouble. And he caused so much trouble that they had to sneak him out of the city, lowered him down in a basket to get him, get him out of town, get him away. And the Bible actually says that the church was at peace, was at peace when Paul, they got Paul out of town. Because he was creating turmoil that they didn't need. And God sent Paul away. He was sent away to Arabia. And we don't really know how long he was there. Some people say three years. Some people say nine years. Some people say 13 years was the period of time that he was gone. We don't really care really how long it was. But he was gone into a place where God began to deal with Paul and work in his life. Now this is the key about this. God has to work in all of our lives. Okay, before you and I, if we're going to be establishing grace, there has to come a thing in you where there's a breaking that happens in your life. You had to come to a place where God breaks you. You, you and I are like wild horses, like wild horses that have, a man has never rode. And we had to be brought into God's farm, horse farm, and be ridden in that wildness, that, that human nature, that soul nature that we have has to be broken in us. For us, for God to really bring about this revelation of grace. And everybody I knew who has a real revelation. There's a lot of people who talk theology on grace and talk theology on the finished work of the cross. But they ain't living it. Okay? It's just a theological perspective to them. But when you get a revelation of grace, you're going to come into it. You're going to come into it through a surrender, through a real brokenness that happens into your life. Are you following what I'm saying to you? Okay? And so Paul, that's what was happening with Paul when he was in Arabia. And then there was a move of God that started in, in the church in Antioch, chapter uh, Acts 13. Now, this is wild. This, I love this, this, this picture. Here's Paul. He's out here in Arabia. A move of God starts in this church. Uh, many people being saved. A powerful move of God. Uh, Barnabas was this, at this church. So he remembers Paul. He goes, gets him, and brings him to Antioch. And so there they are. They're in Antioch. They're having a great old time in the Holy Ghost. They're praying. They're fasting. Great old time, right? Praying and fasting. Something was happening. You know, move of God. And the Lord spoke. And He said, set aside Barnabas and Saul, as He was still Saul at the time, for the work that I called them to do. That's what happened. And so they got together and prayed, and they had this big ceremony. You know, and laid hands on them, did all this big time stuff, had a great church service, and sent them out. 
And we know that to be Paul's first missionary journey. That Paul and Barnabas went all over the place. And right in the middle of that journey, something happened to Paul. There was a shift that happened in his life. He went from Saul to Paul. And it was Barnabas and Saul, and Barnabas and Paul, and it went to Paul and Barnabas. That was important in those days. Whoever's name was first was the leader. That's That's the truth. And so Paul became something in this transition that happened in his life. He went from Saul to Paul. He came into his true identity. He came into really who he was. And they traveled around and started churches and and did all these powerful things, miracles, and, you know, confronted devils and did this wild stuff. I mean, you know, the dream stuff everybody wants to do that are called to be missionaries. And so then they come back to Antioch. They go and do all this for a season then come back to Antioch. And they're back in Antioch, back in the church, telling, you know, just having another good old time in the Lord. And then one day, now this is where it really gets interesting. One day, Paul is sitting there on the couch with Barnabas and, you know, a couple other guys having their Starbucks tea in the afternoon. Y'all do that, right? And green tea. In the wintertime, is hot. In the summer, is cold. That's what you do. You're sitting there drinking it. You go to China, you'll learn to love green tea. That's all they drank. They're sitting there, and this is what Paul says. Hey, listen, i got a great idea. Let's go back and visit all those places again and encourage these people and see how they're doing. And ladies and gentlemen, that was the beginning of the second missionary journey. There was no ceremony. There was no prayers. There was nothing. It was just Paul said, hey, I want to go back. And because Paul somewhere heard God say to him, just do what's in your heart. He didn't need to sit there and wait on anything. He had it. That's cool, isn't it? And so he gets up, and Barnabas says, okay, let's do it. But, this is Barnabas now, I think I'm going to take John Mark with me. This is in Acts 15. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. This is Paul. No, we are not taking John Mark with us. Why? Because John Mark with him, went with him the first trip and bailed out on him. Paul was still mad at him. So they get in an argument. So the first missionary journey, no prayers, no revelations, no God speaking. We're just going to do it. And then an argument, a fight between these two guys. And they literally had a bad argument. It says in the Greek it was a loud Dispute. That's a powerful way to start a missionary trip, right? The second one. So, Barnabas takes off with John Mark. Never to be heard of again in the Bible. Moral of the story is, don't mess with Paul. (laughs) Do not disagree with what he has written down. Do not argue with him. If he says we're not taking John Mark, no, we're not taking him. Paul takes off with Silas, right? And that was the beginning of the second missionary journey of Paul the Apostle, which is, you know, by, you know, that's the, Acts 16, 17, you know, just go, going on. Now, so he was just doing, so here's what he was, exactly what the Lord said to me that day. Do what's in your heart. Okay? Do what's in your heart. Now, that's kind of dangerous, right? But here, God has a safety measure built in for everybody. So it says in Acts 16, they get out there, and Paul said, thinks in his mind, well, we're headed over, we're headed to China, Asia. We're headed to Korea. 
Asia, right? Matthew says kind of. Asia Minor. That was the Asia to me. I'm just giving you a picture. So, okay, we're going then. So they head to Asia, and guess what the Bible says? The Holy Spirit forbade them. The Holy Spirit forbade them. Yeah, it is interesting. So, uh, well, I guess we're not supposed to go to Asia. Hmm. Well, let's go down to Bithynia. They head down there. The Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them. That's what it says. Something like that wouldn't let them. The Spirit of Jesus resisted them. So what are we going to do? Well, I don't know. Let's take a nap. We're not worried. That's what he did. Let's take a nap. We couldn't go there. We know we're doing what God wants us to do. We're just not supposed to go to Asia. That's cool. We know God's going to show us. Take a nap. They have a dream. Paul has a dream. God does speak in dreams, right? By the way, there's a lot more dreams being released right now. Have y'all noticed that? Have y'all noticed there's more stuff coming out of the heavenly realms right now? Dreams and visions and stuff. It really is. If You can tap in real easy right now if you want to. So he has this dream. There's a man says, come over here to Macedonia and help us. Paul jumps up. Hey, we're supposed to go to Macedonia. So they go. That's how they went to Macedonia. Remember the, the, the letter to the Philippians? Remember the Philippian jailer? Remember the girl, the jailer in purple? All that came out of a dream. <laughs> it's pretty powerful, isn't it? Aren't y'all excited about this? But here's the point. The safety from God is this. Go do what's in your heart. And by the way, if you just sort of have to get off the track a little bit, I'm going to gently, gently, the Spirit of Jesus, how gently tell you, don't do it. Just don't do it. See, we think God's got to take... We think, oh, we're going to miss the Lord. The Lord's going to be mad. The Lord's going to... This bad stuff's going to happen. All this terrible stuff's going to happen. That's how we think God's going to do if we miss Him. That is not how God wants to work with us. I think most of the time when people are going through real bad stuff, it's because they're not doing what God wants them to do. They're not moving. They're not doing what God has put in their heart. So God's having to dig on do a do an a, a tor- a earthquake under them to move them from their, their spot that they're in. But if we're moving, if we're headed towards God, we're doing what God's called us to do in our lives and living from our hearts, he, if, he, if we're missing it a little bit, He just gently pushes on our hearts a little bit to keep us from going there, just to kind of like, well, why don't you go to the right here instead of to the left? That would be better. Don't go to the left here. Just go to the right. But just keep going to do, oh, Macedonia. Let's just go to Macedonia. They get in Macedonia. What do they do? Oh, well, let's go down here by the river. No, God was not giving them stuff to do, like go to the river. There's going to be a woman there. None of that. They were just going because it was in their heart, and they needed to be some people there. And that's how this church started in Macedonia. They met this woman down there. Are you getting the picture here? Are y'all getting this picture? Are you getting that this is how God really designed us to live our Christian life? He wants to be able to say to every person in this room, He wants to have that conversation with you. Except you don't need to take nine years to figure out the conversation. It took me nine years to figure it out. It took me nine years to figure out what He was really saying to me. See, God wants to establish a heart in grace so we can do what's in our hearts. Because He's put something in every human being's heart. He's put an expression. He's put something of Himself in us. And all He's doing is waiting for people that their hearts are established in grace where He can say, just go do what's in your heart. Okay? And don't worry. You ain't going to miss it. I'm going to make sure you won't miss it because I'll be there if you're starting to go the wrong way. This is kind of gently push you the other way. Just, 
That's, that's really exciting, isn't it? Y'all ain't acting like it is. <laughs> I think it's exciting. It's the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. Right? God, the parable of the talents. They gave, the man gave these talents to these people. You know, one talent, you know, three, five talents and ten talents. And then he, he didn't tell them what to do with it. He didn't give them a bit of instructions. In fact, in Luke's version, you know what he said to them? Well, just do business with that until I come back. He didn't give them no ten points how to be successful in anything. We've done all that. We've filled in all those ten points. Ten points of successful ministry. Twenty-eight points how to be a good preacher. Nine points how to get, pray for people. All those things can be good, but the way the Lord does it, He just says, here, take this, and just take care of it and do it. I'll see you. You know, just do whatever's in you. Take it and invest it. Do something with it. And whatever you do, that's great, because I gave it to you, which means I trust you with it, and I know that you'll do the right thing with it. But by the way, just in case you start missing it, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus is going to be right there with you to protect you. And He does that. That's the parable of the talents. God's done His part. He's, he's, he's doing it. He's invested. And, and so if your heart's established in grace, he's saying, he's saying to you, I trust you to take what I've given you. I trust your heart to go do it. That's what He did with Paul. That's what He did with Peter. That's what He's done with every, all these people who really went for it. The key was the grace thing. is getting their heart established in grace. Now, that was the key. Now, let me read. Oh, thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't He? You see, a revelation of grace is not just sitting back like, oh, Lord, you know, that's great. You know, grace. Grace has got, it, something happens, right? Something happens with grace. It, it's a motivating factor in your life. It causes action in your life. You know, it really does. It causes something to happen. It really does. But the, you know what happens if you really have a real revelation of grace? Whatever's in your heart, just do it. That's where the action comes. That's real grace. Real grace is saying, well, if you're establishing grace, just go do what's in your heart. It doesn't matter what it is. It's whatever's in your heart. If, you're, if it's in your heart to be automotive mechanic and you just love that as something that's put God's put in go work on cars. And God will do stuff all around you all the time. If it's to be a successful business person, go do business. If it's to be a preacher, go preach. If it's going to be a missionary, go missionary. Go, just go do it. That's, just go do it. That's what Grace will say. Go do it. You don't have to wait on God to tell you anything else. You don't need a voice. You don't need another ceremony in your life. You don't need to spe- you know, all the elders to come around and lay hands and declare you being sent out. Well, that's a good thing. We want to do that. You know? And, you know, when you come back home, well, we'll bless you again. But we're just saying, yeah, we're blessing that they're doing what's in their heart. All right. All right, anyway, Mark 8.35. I'm excited about this. I'm excited because it took me nine years to figure that one word out from the Lord. Nine years. That's bad, isn't it? So I'm giving you nine years of information that you don't even have to go through those nine years. You can just step right into my revelation about do what do what's in your heart. You can just get, you can get this today and walk out of here and live in it. If your heart's established in grace, and here's how your heart's established in grace, just receive that grace revelation from the Lord. Just receive it. That's all you've got to do. 
It's there. All you got to do is receive it. And once you have then you can do some stuff. All right, now, here's what happened in the Christian life. My Christian life is, and it's, this is what just sort of mess, mess with my mind, this, this, what I'm telling you. It really did mess with my mind because I was taught from the very beginning of my Christian life about brokenness and about humility and about surrender, that that absolutely had to happen in your life. It, it was pounded into us, Okay. And I absolutely believe that. You see, what was happening in Paul, let me just tell you this vision I had that stirred me up about this recently. I was soaking, and I like to lay on the floor when I soak because that's comfortable to me. You know, you can, you can stay on your head and soak. But this is what happened. I saw a corral. Y'all know what a corral is? It's the places where horses are. Okay? They keep horses in corrals. I think they may keep other animals in, but this was a horse corral, and there's a bunch of horses in it. And I was one of the horses. Okay? And I saw the Lord come over to the crowd and open the gate. And he called me. And he said, you got to get out of the crowd. you got to get out of the crowd. I'll tell you how traumatic that. I was on the floor when I started seeing this. I jumped up off the floor like, wait a minute, Lord. Wait a minute. You want me out of the corral? What? And there was the other horses in there. And they were all, it's like the Lord shoot them all to the side. Like, y'all stay back here. I don't want you coming out. You're staying in. What? I was saying, what about those other horses, Lord? Don't worry about those other horses. That's what he said. Don't worry about those horses. I'm telling you, it's time for you to come out of this corral. Okay? That was pretty, I'm sorry I offended you, Dean. <laughs> I know you love to stay in the corral. And <laughs> Anyways, listen to this. Okay? So, he led me out of the corral. Now, here's the thing about the corral. The corral's comfortable. There's food in the corral. There's shelter there. The Lord's in there with you. He's walking you around. He's, that's the training part. That's the part that we all have to do. We've got to get in the corral with the Lord. where He can walk. It's like I said, we were wild horses. He's walking us around. He's talking to us. I wish we had David Rummage here today. We could get him to talk about how you talk to horses. You know, and you train them... And what you're doing is you're breaking their will. Okay? And that's what we were taught. Your will must be broken because to have God's will in your life. And so God walked me around that stupid corral forever, for 38 years. That's what it felt like. 31 years. 30 years or whatever it was. And then He spoke to me. Go do what's in your heart. He was telling me nine years ago, get out of the corral, Byron. But I didn't. I was too dumb to understand it. So he kept walking me around the corral. Finally, he was saying it's time to get out of the crowd. And he, and he said, go over there to a ledge. The Lord's into ledges. I'm telling you, he's into ledges. Like, walk off the ledge kind of thing. Go over to the ledge and look. This is, that's what's for you now. And I walked over to the ledge. I'm a horse now. It's cool being a horse. Okay? It really is. If you want to be an animal, just get with the Lord, whatever it is, and tell him, I don't want to be a horse. I want to be an old milk cow, or uh, I want to be a big old sow, you know, a big boar hog, or whatever you want to be, you know, and that he'll let you be that. Or cat, or dog, you know, whatever it is, and God will fix it for you and teach you. So he led me over there to the ledge, and what I saw was the human valley of mankind, human beings, the sea of, of people. The world. And see, so God brings everybody into this place. It says this, let me read this, Mark 8, 35. 
For whoever, this is what we were taught. This is good teaching. This is what has to happen to you. The problem with some of you, you've never let this happen. For whoever desires to save his life, life being there, being soul, your soul life, will lose it. Now, that's talking about salvation, but it's also talking about the way your Christian life works. You have to lose your soul. You have to come to the place of submission. You have to come to the place of brokenness where it's not your will, but His will. And the Bible says it's good for a man to bear that in his youth. That's what it says. Because when you get old, you don't like somebody with a bridle on you. It's rough enough when you're young, but when you start getting old... It's rougher. Fortunately, the Lord spoke that to me when I was a young person going through some terrible times in my life. It was like, it's good for a young man to bear the yoke in his youth. That's what he said to me. I thought, okay, you're saying it's good? I guess it is. It don't feel good. But it was, a, it was the breaking process. It was really the Lord had me in that crowd training me and teaching me. Who, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. They will find it. You see... That's what, where God wants to take everyone else. He wants for you to find your soul, life, where He says to you one day, you can have your soul life back. That was what was confusing to me. Wait a minute, Lord. All my Christian life, I've been taught, die to myself, don't do this, be broken, be humble, don't listen. You've got to make sure you're trusting God. You've got to make sure you're doing the will of God. And now you're telling me something completely opposite. Now you're saying, just go do what's in your heart, Byron. Whatever you want to do, I'm good with. I'm happy. That's what He was saying to me. That created a little bit of like, are you sure about this, Lord? Are you sure? Because it don't seem like what I was taught. That seems opposite to me of the way we're taught to live our Christian life. But no, I'm telling you, this is what God wants to do in people's lives. He wants to bring you, first He wants to bring you into the corral. And He wants to train you in there. And He wants to break your will. He wants for you to be broke down in the rim of your soul where you you come to a place of surrender and submission to Him. And when He says, come here, you come. And when He says, no, you go there, you go. You don't argue with it. You don't question it because He's trained you. And and it's a lot of benefits. Like I said, I didn't want to leave the corral when He told me. That's why I jumped up because I had grown comfortable in that place because the food was there. The water was there. Somebody was taking care of me. Sort of like what happened with the children of Israel. You know, when they were out there in the desert, wandering around, God every day was giving them manna to eat and water from a rock. But when they crossed over and went into the promised land that we all love to be, all of a sudden, the manna stopped. And the Lord did say, well, I made some gardens over there, but guess who is going to go to the garden and pick the beans if you want to eat? I mean, you see that picture. That's the promised land. The promised land is not everything just falling into your lap. It's like, well, you know, if you want to plant beans, go plant beans. That's what you'll eat. If you want to be a, you know, if you want steak, go get some cows. Do cows. But, you know, we're sort of have this, well, you know, where we want it all just to fall in our lap. That's what the corral does. That's for your training. But once the corral days are over, he wants you out. Because He can trust your heart. Because He knows, just like with Paul, when you feel that nudge from the Holy Spirit that says, don't, you won't. Because you've already been trained by Him. You know that touch of His that He gave you when you were in the crowd. You know what it feels like when He says, mm, don't do that. And then in your days of rebellion, you went ahead and did it and you got your rear end you know, smashed for it. You know better than the next time. You know what I'm saying? Y'all understand what I'm saying? Those who've been in the crowd know what I'm saying. 
that when you don't, when you mess up, when you resist the Lord, you rebel against what He's saying. You know what it's like. So when you're out of the corral and the Holy Spirit says, "No, nah, I don't go to Asia. Not a good idea. Not right now." Okay, I'm good with that. And so that's what the corral does for you. So when we come into the kingdom, are y'all are y'all engaging on this? So when we come into the kingdom, that Bible says it's a narrow road, right? And so, but here's what most Christians just live in the narrow road. Really, in the truth, we just live. Oh, we're going to live here in the narrowness, you know, the, the straight and narrow. That is not how God wants you to live. He brings you in what Romans five one in the message, the wide open spaces of grace. That's where He wants to bring you all of us into that. Where then, that's what I was seeing on that ledge, the wide open spaces of grace. But it, the grace is in your heart. That's what makes it wide open for you. If your heart's not established with the grace, it won't. Are y'all getting this? I really want you to get it because this will. This is the. This is the life changer. This changes everything for you. If you can get this, this change, then you can go. If you get this revelation of grace, then you can do whatever you want to do. That's the truth. I know that's a dangerous message, but you can. You can. You can do whatever you want to do. And if you happen to be doing the wrong thing, he's going to make sure you don't miss it. But you first have to go to the corral. All right. Huh? I feel like I'm on fire. All right, let me give you this. Let me give you this scripture. This will help you. Okay. Don't y'all love this? Don't y'all love the Lord though, the way He is? We've been we have we have bought a bill of goods about God that we that He's some kind of demanding like you know cross every T dot every I. You have to do it exactly like this. La la la. He doesn't cross her. He says, "Won't you go cross the T's and dot every I's the way you want to? Won't you write the letter the way you want to write it?" Here's, here's the thing that really helped, helped me. I read this book years ago called The Ministry of the Word by Watchman Nee. I was trying to learn how to be a preacher. Okay, so I'm going to read these books about preachers. Watchman Nee read this, wrote this book about preachers, The Ministry of the Word, how to minister the Word. I thought, I need to read this if I'm going to preach. I can't remember anything in the book except for one thing. This is it. This will change your life as you can get it. He said this. He said, read, Matt, read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read them. And then think about each one of them and think about this. God takes His Word and He mixes His Word into you. Okay? And you and that Word become one. Because Matthew's personality comes out in that Gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew's. It's who he was. It's, it's his perspective. But when you read Mark, you get a whole different thing. And when you read Luke, you get another whole different thing. And when you read John, you get a completely whole different thing. It's because God had mixed Himself with these people. See, God doesn't want to take your, your personality away from you. He doesn't want to take who you are away. He created it. He needs it. And you're the only person in the world. Terry Davis is the only person in the world that God can be Himself through Hirsch. Now, she has the unique personality that God created for her to have that only she can display in the earth. And so God wants to mix Himself in us so much that we literally cannot divide ourselves out and figure out where God ends and we start. 
That's the truth. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth of, of the grace message. That we, it's not, oh, it's God. No, it's not all God. It's you, it's you and God because you can't divide between you and God. That's how God wants to do it. That's why the, the soul thing, the being broke and the corral and all that's really important so God can get Himself down into that part of you and form Himself in that part of you. It's not like you become this clone, this robot. You become the true you. The real you starts coming forth. This is good news, man. I mean, this is really good news. Now, one of my favorite heroes, is I couldn't remember his name, and he was my, one of my heroes, right? George Washington Carver. <laughs> See, he had this fascination with peanuts. And every woman in this room should love George Washington because he invented cosmetics that was one of his 205 patents patents that he got out of studying the peanut and one of them was the cosmetic he the foundation for every you know pattern stuff women put on their face to make themselves look better than they really are right well, we appreciate you doing that honestly. i'm glad i thank the women for doing makeup i like that all it, all it does is really enhances your beauty Right? That bells me out. But George Washington, he was a believer. He loved the Lord. But he looked at a peanut and he spoke to the peanut and said, Tell me your secrets. Because he knew that God had locked secrets down in, in a silly little peanut. That was a man doing what was in his heart. And because of that, and he was a scientist. He wasn't a preacher. Now, I hear he had a powerful healing ministry on the side as a by the way. You know? But he was doing what was in his heart. Well, I found a, I, I was so moved by that years ago, by that story of him, that I decided I'm going to find out what my peanut is. And I just said, you know what my peanut is? It's the Bible. So when, this is how I started reading the Bible. Tell me your secrets. I, wanna, I want to know the secrets that are in there. I don't want to hear what everybody else has got to say. I don't want everybody else to say, I want to know what's really in there. And God will begin to unlock the secrets of whatever it is. If, you, if it's like the auto mechanic, you look at the motor, tell me your secrets, what's really wrong with you. Why are you really acting like that? I know there's something wrong with you. You know? And see, that's, that's a person doing something from their heart. God's created all of us to do that. And He wants to say to everybody in this room, whatever's in your heart, do it. Live your life that way. But if you hadn't been in the crowd, He might say, but first let's go to the crowd. And I don't know about you, but I'm not buying into this revelation of having to go back to the corral periodically. I'm going to go back and visit people. I'm going to go back and visit y'all. Y'all in the corral, I love y'all. Remember, I used to be just like y'all, but I ain't in there no more. I'm just coming to visit y'all. i got to pass in and out. <laughs> they stamp my hand and it won't wash off. <laughs> you know? But listen to this. This is great. Don't you love the Lord about this? Though? Don't you love that this is the way God really is instead of that other God? You know, that we've been sold. This is the way He really is. He wants to free you. He doesn't want to lock you down. He wants to free you to be everything that He's called you to be, to express His beauty through you in the earth. And He don't really have a bunch of qualms about how you do it. Just whatever, however you want to do it, just go do it. I'll be with you. I'll make sure it works. This is uh, Ephesians three sixteen through 17. This is part of Paul's prayer. 
that He would grant you, that this is the corral part, He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That literally means to be governed by the Holy Spirit's power in your soul. That's what the corral does. In your soul, the Holy Spirit takes over. He begins to govern you on the inside. The government of God, that's literally what it is. The government comes in you. And by the way, the government is a government of peace, right? You know, when you have peace inside, you're being governed by the Holy Spirit. If you don't have peace inside, then you, His government's not at work. So anything that causes you to lose your peace, don't do it. The simple way of knowing God's will. If you, have, if you lose peace about it, just don't do it because the government is telling you, uh-uh, no, 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 don't do that. That's bad. Trust me, I've done that before. You don't want to do it, it'll hurt you. It'll hurt you bad. And it ain't God hurting you. It's, it's, you've hurt yourself. To be strengthened through the might, through the Spirit, and the man. Now listen, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may live in your heart. That the nature of Christ would be. See, that's what a heart being established by grace is. It's the nature of Christ. It's the person of Christ who's actually living in your heart. Living and living His life out through you, but not eliminating you. He's brought you into the process. He's, in fact, He needs you like that. He's wanting you. He's not filling dogs with the Holy Spirit. He's not using dogs to preach the gospel. You know? He's using human beings that He mixes Himself up with. And that's what that means. He's mixed, he's mixed, he wants to mix Himself up in our heart. Where The truth is we cannot figure out where He, where he ends and we begin. It's all the same. Only the Holy Spirit could, could divide that far. And that, that's, that's what it is. That Christ might dwell in your heart. Through, and the way you stay in that, this is really, really important, to stay rooted in love, to stay, stay in the love of God. See, that is what keeps that working in your life. That's what keeps that heart being established by grace is in the love of God, is making sure you stay in love with God. And the way you stay in love with God is let God continually love on you. Continually. And don't and refuse to believe anything. Refuse to believe anything that says anything that, that would be a question of God's love. Just refuse it. Just say, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to even say that. You know, Becky said the, the religious spirit, here's what the religious spirit says, that God causes sickness and suffering. And when I go through a bad time, God's doing it to train me or to make me a better person. That's a lie from hell. When God trains you, He's not using bad circumstances and sickness to do that. That's, the devil does that, you know. But He'll use all of that. He'll use all of it. He just doesn't cause any of it. And so when I was a young Christian, Arthur Burke used to come and tell us this phrase, which drove me crazy. The marriage of the sovereignty of God and human responsibility. That was one of his, and he's just like, oh no, I've got to figure out this thing, man. I've got to figure out, or I'm going to be in so much trouble with God because I'm not going to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I had this terrible, but it's nothing like that at all. You don't have to figure out anything. Really, what you've got to figure out, what's in your heart? You've got to do it. If you've allowed, if you've allowed this, what Paul just prayed, if you've allowed that into your life, if you've allowed him to govern you, if you've allowed him to train you and work in your heart, then he's going to say to you, just go do what's in your heart. 
I don't want to try to tell you nine things to do. Just go do it. Just go do it. Just go do it. That's what he's saying. Just go. That's what he, he told me that nine years ago. I've been trying to figure out for nine years. Well, what does that really mean, Lord? It means what I said. Just go do what's in there. And if you'll do what's in there, you'll be more successful than you can be with anything else. And you'll be a lot more at peace and a lot happier in your life. And it doesn't matter what it is. This is really good news, man. I'm telling you, this is good news. It sets you free. You get out of the corral. As much as you think you like that corral, it's better out of it. It's a lot better out of it. The corral's nice, I will admit that, because Jesus is there. You know? It really is. But what if everybody just stayed in the corral? It'd be bad. And he's really calling people to get out of the corral. He really is. He's calling you today and calling me and you. That's why we've gotten where we don't really like God. That's why we've gotten where we didn't like church, any of that stuff. We didn't even like the move of God over it. Because we, we felt like we had to do something. We felt like we had to, you know, we felt this, this yoke being put on us that, that wasn't the Lord. And by the way, the Lord does put a yoke on you. You know, my yoke is easy, but it's still a yoke. That was one my problem as a young Christian. He kept putting this yoke on me, and I kept jerking away. Like, I don't want to go there, Lord. I don't want to get up in the middle of the night. Well, I'm getting up. If I'm yoked with you, you're going to have to get up with me. You see what I'm saying? Just little, little things. Well, that ain't a big deal to get up in the middle of the night. You know, he never really puts anything on you that's really harsh. I'll tell you that. But the world will, the devil will. Everything the devil says he's going to give you, if he says he's going to give you life, it's a lie. He's going to kill you. That's what it's going to lead to. It's going to lead to death in you. Are y'all getting this? Are y'all excited about this? I'm telling you, this really right here, this is the revelation God wants to release in this church right now. It's a revelation of grace. He wants people really to really... So, so here's what I think. One, there's people in this room who've never been in the corral. Never. You never let yourself be in the corral. And the day you have an opportunity, the door is open... For you, and the Lord saying, welcome to my corral. That's what he's saying to you. Welcome. Come on in. It's going to be nice. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to water you. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. You won't have to worry about anything. I will, I'll, get, I'll be there right there with you. Every step of the way. Every step of the way. I'll be there right there with you. You're going to have to give up some stuff. But the truth is, the stuff you're giving up, that stuff's going to kill you anyway. It's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. But then there's other people like me. Like I said, I jumped up off the floor when the Lord started showing me that because I was thinking, I don't want to leave this corral. I like this corral. This corral's nice, Lord. I'm not really sure about all that. I'm not sure about all that out there. And the Lord's saying, you know, it's just time. It's time for you. It's time for you to leave the corral. It's time for you to really look into your heart. What's in there? What's in your heart? You know, what's in your heart? And he's saying, that's what you need to do. Just go do it. You don't need any kind of special instructions. Well, if you want some ceremony to do it, well, get somebody to do a ceremony for you. You know? But you don't really need that in the end. Well, you know, in a couple of weeks we're going to pray for the summers because they're leaving to go. We're going to do a big ceremony. But that's really, we just want to bless them and, and love on them and acknowledge what God's doing. But if, if they really needed that to go, I'd say, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it. It'd be a mistake. 
You need that to be able to go. You need this. You need your heart to be established in grace. You need to be doing what was in your heart. You know? And it's just so free, and it makes you so much happier. So who... All right, let's just do this. Let's put our people, our people on the spot. Y'all want to be put on the spot? Who in here feels like they've never been in the crowd? Or maybe you were in the crowd, but you ran away like I did about 98 times. You know, the Lord always comes and gets you, though. Isn't that what the, the, you know, the sheep that goes astray and leaves a 99? I, I mean, the Lord has went and got me so many times as being crazy. Like, come back. <laughs> it wasn't so nice out there. I wasn't, no, it wasn't. It was a mistake. I should have never left. I'm sorry. I know it set me back, Lord. Now I've got to go apologize to all these people. <laughs> you know, he'll always come back and get you. Does anybody feel like they've not been in the crowd? Raise your hand. Okay, good for you. Stand up, would you? Because you're in a good, you're in a good place in your life. Stand up. Anybody else? Come on. This is a good place for you this morning. Listen, you're going to go get to be with Jesus. Okay? Jesus is going to be right there with you. He's going to love on you. He's going to take really good care of you. I promise you He will. He took care of me. And I was bad. You're not bad. You're in a good place. Let's pray for them, y'all. Reach your hands towards them. And maybe a couple people standing next to them, just put lay hands on them. Just pray that they would really be able to go and get in that yoke with the Lord Himself. They would feel the presence of the Lord next to them. They would feel His love. They would feel His gentleness. You know, David said that. You know, King David said that your gentleness has made me great. That's what he said. David said that he knew that he was a shepherd. He knew what a shepherd does. And that's what the Lord wants to do for you guys. He wants to make you great. He wants to expand you and make you into something. He wants all those dreams, all those things you have in your heart. This is the fastest way to get them. It's by going into that corral with Him this morning and letting Him have control of your soul. You know, you get that Scripture out of Ephesians 3 and you begin to pray that Scripture over your life. Holy Spirit, I invite You to govern me. I invite Your government into my soul. I invite it, Lord. I invite it. Lord, help me to, help me to obey You, Lord. Help me to obey You, Lord. Lord, I invite that government, Lord. I, invite, I want to see the nature of Christ formed in my heart. And I want to be rooted in Your love. Show me Your love, Lord. Let me, let me just relish in Your love, Lord. Lord, I just pray you do that. I pray for this impartation this morning as we lay hands on these, these people, Lord. That they're going into the corral, the beauty of the Lord. They're going to find out the secrets of God in that corral. God's going to whisper in your ear. He's going to whisper gentle things to you and touch you. God's not harsh. I really wish we had David Rummers to tell us about how he does horses. He doesn't beat his horses. He just whispers at them. He gives them a little nudge. Because they trust Him and love His voice and love His feel. And that's what God's going to do for you. You're going to find out that God loves you and He's gentle. He really is. He's gentle. He has a lowly spirit is what the Bible says. And He's going to touch you. And you're going to feel that. And that's going to really change. It's going to melt your heart. Okay? Your heart's going to be melted. And you're not going to spend all these years. It's not going to be long for you because God's going to do a quick work in your lives. An accelerated work. Lord, we thank You for that this morning. We thank you, Father. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, who else in this room this morning, you feel like the Lord may be speaking to you like he did me? Okay, he opens the gate and says, come out of the corral. Anybody feel like the Lord's been speaking that to him? He's opened the gate and says, come on out. Stand up. You, you guys stand up. Because if you're like me, you probably like, I'm not leaving this corral. Because there is straw here.
That's a comfortable bed. And they don't look comfortable where you want me to go. Plus, I sort of like you making all the decisions. It's easy. It's an easier life being in the crowd, Lord. Honestly, it's so easy. I could say, well, I'm not going to China because God didn't speak to me. That would be a really easy way to get out of going, going somewhere. Well, I didn't feel no, nothing on it from the Lord. And the Lord said, I'm not going to tell you anything. I've already told you everything I'm going to tell you. You decide what you want to do and do it. Well, Lord, you see these people standing up. They feel like you're calling them, Lord. They feel like they've, been, they've had their corral time. It's time for them to do what's in their heart, Lord. And by them standing up, Lord, they are acknowledging a revelation of grace in their life. That you have established their hearts. You have done something in their hearts, God. So, Father, I pray for them right now. I pray for each one of us. Me too, Lord. That we would have very much, we'd be like Joshua. We'd be men of, and, and women of courage. Like you told Joshua, every place with soul his foot touched. Meaning that just go, go, go. Go. Lord, when we feel that little nudge from the Spirit of Jesus, that gentle nudge to stop, uh, don't go there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That we obey that little gentle nudge. I pray that for all of us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would always be waiting before you, but really we'd be going on and not just waiting in the sense of waiting to do, but we would be waiting before you just to be with you, Lord, to love you, to enjoy your love, to stay in your love, to stay near to God, but we'd be going on and doing what's in our hearts. Lord, I pray that for Lord, I pray for Lord, I know this is sort of a dangerous way to approach Christianity, Lord. You called us to live dangerously. You called us not to be passive people. So we just release that. Lord, I pray you'd reveal the people their peanut. This morning, people would see their peanut and they begin to pull the life out of that peanut, the secrets from that peanut. Thank you, Jesus. One more thing. Those of you who are not responding, either you're not believing any of this, or, or maybe you feel like you're supposed to, your time hasn't come to leave the corral, would you stand up? If you feel like, you know, I just, I don't feel like God's saying it's time for me to leave that corral, would you, would you just stand up? Now, some of you didn't stand up either thing. Now, I want y'all to stand up because uh, I'm thinking, hey, they don't believe in this. Okay, you feel like you're right where you're supposed to be. You're in God's process. You're being trained by the Lord. You, that's a good place, too. That's an awesome place to be. And, and to be able to acknowledge that in your life. To see, you know what, Lord? I don't think you're calling me out of that crowd yet. I believe you're still working in my life. We're not done yet. We still have things that you want to work out. We want to pray right now for you. And just release that grace to stay in there with Jesus. To hang in there with Him. You know, it was really true. When the Lord called me to come out, I looked at the other horses and wanted to go back and be with Him. I was saying, what about them? And He was saying, forget them. You come with me. Don't worry about what they're doing. You do what I tell you to do. You come on. You find comfort. You know, around a bunch, everybody doing the same thing. And that's a good place for you to be this morning. That you're with, you're being trained, you're... I want you to see that you're in a great place in your life. You're not in a lesser place. You're in the place that the Lord has you. It's an awesome place to be. 
You just need grace to stay there until the Lord opens the gate. And Lord, we just pray that. We pray for them that they would be comfortable there, they'd be happy there, they would enjoy that time there, that they would increase in friendships and relationships there. Lord, it would just be one of those golden moments in life where they're like, oh, this is really great, man. This is this has really gotten good. I, I just love this corral. This is an awesome corral, Lord. This is beautiful, Lord. I love it. You show up every morning and call me, and there's food there. There's breads on the table. Thank you for that, Lord. There's water. I'm protected from things, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Just a thankful heart. Just a continued willingness to hear the voice of the Father. We pray for you. We pray that grace upon you. What I was seeing is we just all just stand back up because I feel like this is for everybody. Before Byron started his message, what I saw was I felt like I was looking out. I was like standing on a mountain really looking out over a vast valley or scene. And I feel like that is the wide open spaces of grace. And no matter where we are, that's what we're meant for. I just think if the Lord wants to our vision, our spiritual eyes to see the expanse out before us. Okay? Because there really is an expanse. We're not to live in a really narrow place in the Lord. So I just want to pray that over us. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, would you open up our spiritual eyes, our seeing eyes, Lord. Those eyes of the heart would open now, Lord, over us that we would be able to see the wide open spaces of grace that you've created from the beginning for us to live in, Lord God. That's where we're to live and move and have our being. Lord, it is not a confined space. Lord, we may be there for a season, but you've really created us to live in this wide open space. Lord, let us see it by the Spirit now, what you created us for. The wide open spaces, the vastness, oh Lord, of what you have. It's not confining, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And you know, those wide open spaces of grace, really you're going to find them inside of you. Okay, that's what God has put in your heart. Okay, and that was really where I struggled. The Lord said, do what's in your heart. I said, I don't know what's in there, Lord. It took me nine years of struggle to figure out what is in there. That's why I really went after the eyes of the heart. All those things, because I was on this quest because of this voice of God. Find out what's in your heart. I wanted to know. And God wants... I did it the hard way. Duh. (laughs) I'm telling you. This morning you can receive an impartation to see those wide open spaces in you. The thing that God placed in you to see it, to see it, even if it's that little peanut, like George White, it was a little, it's what he saw in his heart, he saw a peanut. It was a little thing, but 200 and something, you know, patents later, peanut butter, you know, peanut butter and jelly would never exist without that man. It'd be a bad, bad day, right? Peanut butter cookies. So it doesn't have to be some humongous thing. It can be just a little thing. Whatever it is. Lord, we are one. I pray you release that right now into this room. Those wide open spaces. You know, everybody in this room will begin to see them. They'll begin to see what you, what you created and what you've 
lay down their life right now. Who they are, what they are, they would see it, Lord. They would see it. They would see beauty in it, Lord. It wouldn't be, they wouldn't think crazy thoughts about it. They wouldn't compare to other people. They wouldn't think about all that, Lord. They would just see the beauty that. Uh, let me tell you one more thing that Sarah Bollinger shared with me before church. She read Psalm, 1, Psalm 131. Lord, where David was talking about the Lord was weaning, weaning him. She's going through the process of weaning a child. and You know the picture. Jesus said, this is what Jesus said, my meat, my meat, is to do the will of the Father. See, a lot of us are, God, it's like God's trying to wean us into something greater. You know, just wean us where we begin to walk in something greater. And that will of God is in you. It's in you. It is in you. It's your peanut. It is your thing. It's inside of you. It's in your heart. It's there. It's already there. He placed it in there when He when He created you. And He's calling for it. Can you hear God calling that thing out of you this morning? And calling for it and stirring it inside of you. Can you hear that? I hear it a lot. I so Lord, we ask you to do that for the folks in this room. Every one of us, no matter where we're at, Lord. That thing down inside of us is speaking to us this morning. Deep calls to deep. The true you, the true me. Our true hearts. And living from there. Living our life out through that place. Lord, just get this people. Every one of us, Lord, every one of us, every one of us. We need it. We need every person in this room. We need that expression they bring. Every one of us, Lord, we need it. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Let's just dismiss. Put your hand. Won't you grab the hand?